Hello and welcome to Fragmenters, the most entertaining podcast that I've found where you get to have a conversation with business women who are enthusiastic about life, work, and money. We love building up other women and getting them ready for their new careers. Cause, 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 no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Hello and welcome back to another fantabulous, foul-mouthed, fun episode of Fragmenters. Today I am introducing Jen. She was quality assurance in manufacturing and is now in environmental. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. Awesome. Well, welcome, Jen. I'm so excited to hear your story. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So how did you get started in quality assurance and manufacturing? Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. I went to school for environmental science and then I graduated school and couldn't find a job doing environmental science type (laughs) stuff. And so um, the company that my dad worked for and that I had worked for a bit in high school, just in like clerical roles, was hiring for this like three-year contract thing for one particular big project. It was a big aerospace client. And they needed somebody to kind of do sort of an introductory QA type stuff and and kind of help out with the paperwork end of things. And so I said, well, you know, I know it's a pretty decent company. It's pretty decent pay. Like I need a full-time job. Sure. I'll do this gig for three years. And, you know, I found coming out of college that what was killing me in the interviews is that I didn't have any work experience other than like Mm. part-time high school type jobs. And it was that catch 22 of you need experience to get a job, but you can't get the experience without getting the job. And so uh, so that's kind of how I got started there. And then I stayed there for 16 years. <laughs> that's a um, long three years. <laughs> it was. Yeah. And you know, my role really expanded. I found I really liked the work. And so this company was an engineering R and D firm doing a lot of very cool, different kind of innovative stuff, but it was this like quasi manufacturing, mechanical engineering, kind of hands-on engineering as opposed to like civil engineering stuff. And so it was definitely a unique place to be a woman. It was like, I don't know, 30% women in this big, you know, company of like a hundred ish people, but mainly that was like administrative staff. And so Mm -hmm. having someone on the technical side was super unique and I was really young. (laughs) And so that was definitely a a different experience getting up and out into the workforce, but it toughened me up. So (laughs) I bet, I bet. Yeah. So did your degree help you at all in that? In that field? Um, yeah, you know, it's a question I've asked myself and my parents have asked me too. <laughs> you know, I think having a degree got me into the job. They wouldn't have hired me if I didn't have a college education. I'm not sure. I mean, there's things like, yeah, you know, working as a team and kind of those general skills that that I think having education gives you, but there wasn't any anything specific to the field that I was in necessarily. It kind of came full circle. So I, I spent 16 years there. I went to another similar company for two years. And then I found this, this job opening for an environmental consulting company that was looking for QA. And so I was able to kind of link this like, you know, 18 years of experience in QA and kind of operations, business management kind of roles with back to my education. And that's kind of what allowed me to get that job, the one that I'm currently in, which I absolutely love. So I, I like to think that I eventually used that degree, but it just took, took a long road. (laughs) 
So many people I know don't use their degree in what they usually end up working in. I mean, completely different fields. Like I've had someone that I talked to who was studying Arabic languages and now does fitness coaching. Yeah, right. So (laughs) we just, you know, I am bribing my kids. I'm giving them each a thousand dollars if they don't get a tattoo or married by 25. I think that's great advice. Yeah, because frontal lobes aren't fully functioning until 25. So I don't think we should be able to pick our our lifetime goals before then either. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And now looking back on it, I think, you know, to when I was like 18 or 20 in college and just thinking like, how did I even just throw a dart at the wall and decide that's what I wanted to do? I mean, I didn't, you know, I, I like what I do in QA. That wasn't like a career that anybody talked about. Mm-hmm. in high school. You know what I mean? And I look around now to so many different types of jobs that people have that just, they weren't ever in those like career choice conversations in high school. I felt like it was like, Oh, doctor, lawyer, this, this, that, you know, whatever. But like, there's so many things out there that you can choose from. Oh, for sure. Yeah. My husband fell into a QA position a couple years ago and he oh, nice. loved it. I told him he was really good at it because he's just naturally a troll. <laughs> <laughs> he's always loved. <laughs> yeah. He's always loved like April fool's day and just pranking people. And I'm like, you go in there and you work it until you find a bug. And that's why yeah. you're so good at it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So you're still doing quality assurance just in the environmental setting now? Yes. Yep. Is it more of the, because you said you were like operations before. Can you tell me a little bit of what you, because my husband, he did quality assurance for a web web app development. So it's Mm -hmm. a lot. I know it could be a lot different. So how do you mess with people? Yeah. So, <laughs> so when I was, um, when I was at the the previous company, I was this, it, it was very much like a, a feet in both lanes kind of situation. So I was running the machine shop and then for specific contracts that we had with like the government and clients that had specific like regulatory requirements and things, there's like a huge amount of paperwork that goes along with that. And so I'd also, you know, because I was running the shop and running, kind of doing the expediting work, I was also making sure that the paperwork was clean. So we had a QA manager that would kind of check that work, but it was giving me those fundamental, like knowing what things to look for that somebody else is going to catch if I don't fix them first kind of thing. Right. Um, And then when I left there, I took a job specifically, again, sort of running the shop, but also helping beef up their QA department. That was an AS9100 certified company. So that's like an aerospace. It's like ISO 9001, but for the aerospace field. And so that brought on more like auditing and that kind of thing. Again, a lot of paperwork and documentation. And then the company that I'm with now, we do work for studies that support research and marketing permits for pesticide use. And so that falls under like the FIFRA code of federal regulations territory. And so what I do now is I go and observe the different studies that we do and, you know, sort of standing there with a check, check, the clipboard (laughs) and a checkbox and just making sure that, you know, all of the things that are called out in the protocol or what is happening and, you know, have to, Right deviations and that kind of thing if things don't go to plan. So it's a lot of checks and balances. 
That's a lot different than SVU made it look like my last episode I saw on that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. QA is kind of a cool field because there's, I mean, it stretches all industries. So it's, it's really kind of fascinating and, and having so much background in the manufacturing side, I find I have a different take than like traditional QA people in this field. So it's been kind of, kind of cool to like give my little flavor on things so far. So good. (laughs) That's awesome. How long have you been in this role? See about a year and a half. Nice. Yeah. So you started just after I told you about this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And so like you, I said, I mean, it's the, the field, this field, you know, it's tied into agriculture. That's a traditionally male field for sure. I'm mm-hmm. really stoked. So the company that I work for has about 40, 48 people now, I think. And we just hired a bunch and they were all women. And I was so excited to see that. And so now it's 22 women and 26 men. So we're gaining quickly, That's <laughs> but it's so awesome. different. It's so different from what I came from before. So, yeah, I came from mining. Oh and yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was the only woman in it globally there for a few years. So wow. I totally hear you. I'm really liking seeing the demographic changes And Mm -hmm. I think that us just talking about the work and being like, yeah, you can do it. It's really not, it sounds scary. Like I say, I am a lead in IT at a nuclear laboratory and people are like, what the fuck? But but really it's just an IT lead, just like any other facility. We just, you know, have nuclear. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, quality assurance, it's really not as intimidating as it seems. Because when he told me he was going to go into it, I was like, I don't even know what that means. I just know that everyone hates them. Right. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> no, it's That's absolutely true. Oh, no, you're going to be like one of those bean counters, you know? And it's like, well, mm-hmm. no, I like to think that I'm helping, not just, you know, wagging my finger at people when they do things wrong. <laughs> right. But yeah, actually yeah. learning about what you do and why it makes me respect the position a lot more and have more patience when I have to deal with them. And I had someone mm-hmm. on from cybersecurity and being mm-hmm. able to talk to her, I was like, okay, I'll quit ignoring this email that's been sitting there for three months and actually help him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're on the same side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So what's been your biggest obstacle in your career or getting your positions or any of it? You know, I think particularly, and I don't know if it was an age thing or a, or a woman thing or all of those things. As I said, that first company that I worked for, my dad worked at too. And so there was actually a period of time that I was this boss. So it was kind of a, there was a lot going on there. And I think I just had like major imposter syndrome a lot, you know, certainly the the corporate culture was a little funky. It was not particularly supportive for women. You know, they definitely, women were thought of as secretarial and not necessarily Mm -hmm. like technical, you know, there was a lot of engineers in that company and like two of them were women. So it was, I was surrounded with that culture and I think I sort of took it in. So like I own, I own my experience, you know, what I brought to the table in addition to the culture that I was working in, but I just, I was young and I think I always had this sort of like 
I, they, they're only giving me this job because, you know, I've been here for a while or because nobody else wants to do it or because my dad works here or whatever. You know, I always had an excuse for like why I was in the role and it took, it really took getting the next job to make me realize like, oh, I, somebody else wants me, not this company that I effectively grew up in. You know, it was, it was, it was that sort of not family necessarily, but you grew up in it. And so I think it took leaving that and getting a job elsewhere for me to realize oh, I can bring something to the table here that's valuable. And it was a game changer for me. Right. And that was more of an, an internal dot. That was more of an internal dialogue. It wasn't externally. It was. Yeah, I think so. Syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know certainly I, I didn't see a clear path forward for me at that company. I think, mm-hmm. I think there was a little bit that they felt that way too, that I was a kid I, I was never going to grow up. You know, I was, I was what, 36 when I left that company or something. And they still were thinking of me as a, you know, the 20 year old out of college kind of thing. Right. Um, so it kind of went both ways, but certainly I owned a lot of that as well. Most of the women that I've been talking to actually every single one of them so far we are our biggest weakness. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is funny because we're also our biggest strength and our biggest champion, but we hold ourselves back so much. It's this huge push and pull. Yeah. Yeah. I've had multiple conversations, you know, with a, with a friend of mine and, you know, and just trying to just push her to say, you know, you are worth it. Like, you're, you're awesome. Like, do you realize how awesome you are? You could go somewhere else. If you're being treated badly here, like look elsewhere, you can, you know, and she, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I don't know if I could really do this somewhere else. And well, I don't know that I could get that job. And it's like, try for it. <laughs> you know, yes. you just, you never know. And if you don't try and, uh, you're probably capable of more than you think you are. I think we're, we're our own worst critics and our mm-hmm. friends, biggest cheerleaders, you know, we're cheerleaders for everybody around us, but not ourselves. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, one of the best tips I was given at an early age, I think I was 18, maybe 19. Someone told me that you should do at least two interviews a year. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was part of her reasoning. She said, you know, you need to make sure that way in case something happens, you're still pretty good at it, but Mm -hmm. it shows you that you can do it. And if you're applying, not intending to get a job and you get a job where you're making double with for half the work, yeah, then you say yes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So we know your biggest obstacle. What's helped you the most? Um, you know, I think finding a really supportive network of women, mm-hmm. you know, you and I connected in a women's group on Facebook and, and that group and some of the, you know, even some suggested books and stuff that have come out of that have really helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. The book, You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero, I, I recommend to everybody I know because it was literally life-changing for me. That that changed something in my brain to make me sort of take a little bit more control over my own life and my choices and kind of go for things that I, I wouldn't have in the past. You know, you just, like I said, you never know until you try. And I think growing up in my family, and this is not a ding against my parents, but they were both very thankful to have, you know, good full-time jobs. And like, you didn't look for something better 
if you had a good thing, you know, that was, that's, mm-hmm. that's a very different mindset. And so it took a while for me to kind of get rid of those old skeletons, if you will, and kind of shift that feeling to like, just because what you're, where, where you are is great. Doesn't mean that there's not something else out there that might be a better fit or, or not, but you know, you got to keep your eyes open and, and be willing to take risks. Oh, for sure. So I know that having a group of women is imperative. And Mm -hmm. like I told you at one point, there were no women around me. So the internet is definitely a really good resource. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. And even in my current job, like, like I've really got a good group of women that we, you know, we go out and have drinks and that kind of thing, but we're also encouraging each other and we're all in a different places in our career path. You know, some of them are early twenties and some of them are late forties. And so everybody's kind of in a different place, but we're all sort of encouraging one another kind of helping each other succeed. And, and that's something that just kind of organically happened. And I thought this is, this is so cool. Cause like this wouldn't have happened, you know, 10 years ago. I don't think, sorry, hang on one second. No worries. <laughs> Thank God this isn't live and you can <laughs> edit it later. <laughs> oh, dogs. Oh, dogs. Yeah. I'm actually really glad to hear that because I feel the shift Mm -hmm. and for a while I thought it was just the people I have surrounded by me because people tend to hang out with like-minded people, but I'm meeting more and more people further and further outside of my quote unquote normal group. And I'm seeing it everywhere. There's much more lifting up than there is holding back because we're realizing that when we help each other, you now have almost 50% females in there. Right. You didn't have to use your job for another woman to be hired. We can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's fascinating to me to kind of see women taking on more roles that you know, we're traditionally held by men and stuff and just like kicking ass at it because women are friggin' awesome. Like we're really good, you know, yeah. we're really smart and we're really good communicators and we're really good at like, I mean, in general, I find like women are better, like manager, project managers and kind of team managers and kind of are able to be organized. And like, it's, it's, it's really fascinating to watch and it's really cool, you know? It's nice to see more and more women getting into it and being successful and then helping other women get into it and be more successful. Well, and not only that, I feel like the more women are around, the more collaboration is happening with the men Mm -hmm. and we're seeing them grow in a direction that's more people conscious versus um, result conscious. Yes. Yeah. And they help toughen us up a little bit. So it's a, it's a give and take. I'm, I'm really liking seeing where we're going. Yeah, so do you too. feel that it's imperative for women to work in your field fields or any, all of them? I mean, I think it's imperative for women to work in all the fields. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think there's anything that women shouldn't get involved in. You know, my husband is in the, in the trades, he's in the solar industry 
that's mm-hmm. one that there's just not a lot of women in, you know, he was an electrician before that. There's not a lot of women electrician out electricians out there. And it's like, why not, <laughs> you know, because the same skills that are, that are good for that, you know, you can, you can be good hands-on, you can have great problem solving and troubleshooting skills and critical thinking and all of those things, you know, and it's, it's, it's a shame that the trades in particular, I think, haven't seen the same, the same number of women entering that that industry as I think other places have. I'd like to see that mm-hmm. happen more. But I, I do think it's starting to happen, you know. Yeah. Uh, certainly it's more, it's better than it was 10 years ago. And hopefully 10 years from now it'll be a lot better, you know. Oh, for sure. You forgot one point though. They make oh. bank. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> that too. Yeah. That whole like not having student loan debt thing and uh-huh. making big money. And that's another thing that uh high school did not prepare me for, for sure. I'm not sure that I would have gone that route, but I certainly didn't see it as, you know, a lucrative career path at the time. And it sure is. Oh yeah. And, and because they push so hard for college, it's in Mm -hmm. demand right now. I'm telling all of my kids, I don't know how many will listen because it's their mother telling them, but I'm telling all of them do a trade. You do not have the debt. My daughter can't be a teacher doing trade school, but you know, my son, he wants to bake. I'm like, don't go the college route. Right. They have trade schools where you can learn baking and then you don't have $50,000 in debt. Just save that 50 grand and start your bakery. Let's go. You know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I hope they're, I hope they're spreading that more in school. I think so. I mean, I, I think. I think people realize what happened when they sort of sold us all on a traditional four-year college when, you know, when I was in high school anyway, Mm -hmm. and I'm 40 now, I think they've realized exactly what you said. That's great. You just raised a generation of people who have crippling debt and nobody to, you know, work on stuff when it breaks. (laughs) Right. It's just like, so I I hope the pendulum is starting to shift the other way where it's like, oh, well, wait a minute, maybe. Maybe, maybe the four-year degree isn't necessary for everybody. We do need people to do these things, you know? Right. It's balance. We need balance. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. One of, one of my big things that I think would really help in everything, you know, learning about technical trades and or technical careers or blah, 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 versus going to college and getting mm-hmm. girls in STEM mm-hmm. is they have, they have to be exposed earlier. Yeah. Like I was talking to someone who made tech toys and they're almost all quote unquote, traditionally male colors and male, yeah, Mm -hmm. male accepted structures like animals. There's no princesses. There's no, you know, and Mm -hmm. that is seriously something that it's it's a discrepancy that I would love to see fixed because I think that just having that will start switching the mindset because I never would have thought I could be an IT ever it was never a possibility for me yeah yeah and you know I, I think back and I was so fortunate my dad is amazing both my parents are amazing but you know, we, it was me and my sister. There was no, no brothers in my family. And my dad raised girls that worked on their cars. And, you know, we had like little woodworking sets in the basement. And we did these sort of things that were traditionally like boy things when we were growing Mm -hmm. up as girls. And I'm so thankful that we did, but I think that that 
to your point, like they weren't marketing those little woodworking kits to girls. They were marketing them to boys. And we just happened to get them because like my dad had that interest, you know, and yeah. fishing wasn't necessarily something that girls did. It's what the boys did. There's worms. It's gross, you know, but like, <laughs> because that's what we did as a family. I got exposed to that kind of thing, you know, so having right. more opportunities like that at younger ages that are you know, let's expose, let's expose boys to baking just the way that we're going to expose girls to, you know, hunting and fishing and that kind of thing. Yep. And it's really funny because he wants to be a baker, but he's super interested in the science behind baking. That's why he doesn't want to cook. He's gonna be like a fancy baker when they have like all the different stuff that they add to food to make it take shapes that it shouldn't or whatever. <laughs> oh yeah. He's like, yeah, when I'm in high school, cause he's going to be a freshman this year. He's like, I want to make sure to take this class and this class. And he's taking all of the food sciences to learn cool. what each does to it. But he's like, I really want to take this class and this class so that I can get into physics so that I can know how I have to, you know, balance it. So I can make these giant structures out of cake. And I'm like, I mean, that's so, that's that is so cool. <laughs> yeah. Just like I preach that women need to be in male dominated, men need to be in female dominated roles. Totally. Yeah. Because he has been brought up that he's good at math and he's good at science and he's good at all these things. And he can take this predominantly female uh, role and put a masculine twist on it and give us something so cool that we haven't seen before. I'm just excited for us to share our knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what advice would you give someone if they wanted to enter into your career? Um, you know, I would, I would definitely sort of share, share my experience that imposter syndrome thing and just, you know, get that out of your head as quick as you can, whether that's, you know, having a good therapist, whether it's having a great supportive group of friends that are encouraging you, like surrounding yourself with the kind of people that are going to help you succeed mentors, those kinds of things. I was fortunate to have an amazing mentor. We're still very good friends. You know, he, he gave me a lot of opportunities that I wouldn't have had if he hadn't taken a chance on me in that first job. And that, again, all of that experience kind of built my confidence to the point that, you know, I could, I could make a move, um, and know that I was highly valued. So I think, you know, just getting out of your own head and not being afraid to try stuff. And if it doesn't work, like, okay, it's not the end of the world, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just a job. It is at the end of the day, our careers are really just jobs, you know, Um, making sure that you're not afraid to, to take a leap. Yeah. Uh, therapy number one, I think therapy should be mandatory. I know they say that it doesn't help you unless you want it to, but I think it should be mandatory. I totally agree. Certainly destigmatizing it and, and making it known that like that, that can be a great, you know, tool to have in your bag is important. Then there again, like that was not a thing when I was growing up, like that was not like, if you went to therapy, it was like, oh, so-and-so is going to therapy, you know, but Mm -hmm. now it's like, I just tell that to everybody. Exactly. (laughs) I told my mom, I was like, mom, I really, I think that you would be good to like talk to a therapist. It's not scary. Like just, it's fine. You know, it's, and and, yeah, just that generational difference is like, oh, I wouldn't do that. (laughs) Oh yeah. I'm on my third. So yeah. (laughs) I, maybe there's a way we can have mandatory therapists before you graduate school. Then at That's least they're exposed, right? Yeah. Then at least they're yeah. exposed to 
the communication style of someone who's been through therapy is drastically different of someone who isn't. And mm-hmm. my husband will laugh because when I am talking to my oldest and we're having issues, he's like, it's so weird. Cause you guys are like, well, I feel when you say this, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> you know and I'm like yeah it's just it's the way you know we can get it out without actually it's better than saying I feel this than you said this because then I just want to punch you in the mouth that's it right yeah (laughs) well and it helps you like in you know professional circumstances too you know having knowing the right sort of way to deal with those difficult conversations or being able to work professionally with somebody when you do want to punch them in the face like <laughs> you know i feel like that i i think therapy helps like put yourself in another person's shoes a little bit or at least just sort of mm-hmm. say you know what i don't know what's going on in their mind but i know that this doesn't need to be about me like this isn't a personal thing we are just having this difference of opinion and we can work through it like without emotion you know, and use those tools and and that kind of thing. I mean, I think it's great. Yep, for sure. I did want to touch on, you brought up that you had a very good male mentor coming up. Did, yeah. So one thing that has been brought up to me a couple times, because this this podcast, I do only talk to women in Mm male-dominated fields. That's because I am a woman in male-dominated fields. I know that there are so many other sexes and people of color and men who are in female dominated. And mm-hmm. I just, I can only handle one. That's, sure. that's my whole wheelhouse, but I don't hate men. I actually oh, have God. had a ton of really good male mentors and they're the only reason I've been able to succeed like I have. So I just want to put out there that I don't hate men and I don't think women should take, I do think they should take over the world but I don't think women should take over every role and reach out to men if you see a man who's doing what you want to do and having the trajectory that you see yourself go talk to him yes because I have actually okay I I worked with some real pieces of shit but Mm -hmm. you know those you can smell them a mile away We've, we've all been there yeah exactly so if you have someone that's you don't even have to work with them. And you're like, Hey, you're a rock star. You're in this position. This is what I want. They want to help so much Mm -hmm. because if anything, if they're not pro, you know, helping women out, blah, 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 you're a novelty. Mm -hmm. You're different. And they're like, what is she doing? Who is this big white bitch trying to come (laughs) up in here? Let's see what she's all about. You know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I definitely think that it's an avenue that we could, utilize so that we can because they just they were brought up different they They were brought up different and it it doesn't need to be a competition between Mm -hmm. us it's I mean it's it's different but it is similar to like the idea of women supporting women like we should all be supporting all of you know all of each other kind of thing women I think have they've got a tougher hill to climb, frankly, quite, you know, still we've mm-hmm. got a tougher hill to cry, climb and we've got unique circumstances and life, you know, circumstances. I don't have kids. A lot of women have kids, you know, stuff that, that bonds people together, but men have a lot of experience too, that are worth drawing off and finding someone that 
that you can look up to and that can guide you is important, whether they're male or female. We're all, we're all kind of in this thing together. I've been fortunate. As I said, I had that one really, really good mentor. My dad is a great mentor for me. Like he just has great advice and, and that kind of thing. I mean, my husband even has like, like there's many times that we'll say to each other, like, I could really could use your take on this or how would you approach this? And like, you know, we're all, we're all in it together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's your husband do? I'm just nosy. Um, yeah, no, he's in solar. So oh, he does, shit. you um, already told me that. No, I'm that's so okay. sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's all right. He's so big solar, like big solar fields, not housetops solar. Yeah. Oh, nice. Is he engineer or? Um, he does like operations and maintenance. So nice. he used to be an electrician and then kind of applied that toward the solar industry. So it's, it's pretty cool. It's a very cool industry to be in. It is. Yeah, it is for sure. So what's the best advice you ever received? Oh, that's a good one. Um, you know, I, I hate to sound like a broken wheel because I feel like I keep saying this over and over, but I think, I think just this advice to just like, just go for it, man, just go for it. Like put the, the voices in your head to bed and just go for it and see what comes out of it. I think that's the biggest thing I could that I've been told and that helped me. Yeah. That's someone said fail often. Yes. And I liked that. It's definitely fail often and like, don't be afraid to fail. It's, you know, and I, my personality is such that I can say that and say, Oh, don't be afraid to fail. But like when I actually think that I fail at something, I'm all up in my head about it still, but right. you know, fake till you make it like, you know, that, that concept that like, it's, it's okay. It's not going to be own your mistakes when you make them. That's a key, mm -hmm. you know, that's mm -hmm. a big one. We're all, it's okay to make a mistake. And when you do you say, Oh shit, I fucked this up. I'm really sorry. You know, this is what I'm going to do to fix it. Or I'm not going to let it happen again. And then just let it go. You know, that's, that yep. I think is the difference between men and women. At least my perception is that women tend to like, hang on to these things for a lot longer, you know, and men like, they have a fight and then the next day everything's back to normal. They don't like hang on to this kind of emotional baggage as much as at least I did to tend to. So I try to apply that to my professional life as well. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. So you said you don't have kids. Mm -hmm. Right. And Just is that noisy dogs? <laughs> <laughs> well, you have furry kids. <laughs> I do. Yes. <laughs> is that by choice? Yes. Okay. And does your career have anything to do with that choice? Um, I always knew that I didn't want kids. So I can't, mm. I can't say that my career made that decision at the time that like I was in kind of prime kid age, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, that, that company, I would have, I think I would have had a hard time because that probably would have been a bit of a career killer. You know, it would have mm -hmm. been like, it would have changed things. The company that I'm in now, I don't think that would be the case. So it's just a different kind of corporate culture, but yeah, certainly there, you know, and, and, and that was definitely more dominated by men. And I, you know, I think that that played a piece, as I said, I didn't want kids to begin with, so it didn't, that wasn't the only reason, but that would have been a much bigger hurdle being in that field and saying, Oh, you know, that, that sets me back, <laughs> you know, that sets me back a lot. Cause I've got the, I've got the flexibility in my schedule. Now I can work these long hours. I can do this. I can do that. I can always be responsive to work. And that's what I was trying to do, build my career. And 
I was very, you know, engaged that way. And, you know, I didn't think that once you start having kids and kids have activities and you get this and sick kids and all that stuff. And, you know, I think that was one of the ways that it was still a male dominated field, you know? Yeah. The reasons. Right. Well, you're right. I've got four. Yeah. So <laughs> they can tug at Ooh, your, time, your heart. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So what do you do for fun? And you can't say work. Well, I wouldn't have said work. Work is fun, but that's not what I do for fun. Um, I like to golf. We like to fish, kind of go camping, that kind of thing. Hang out with friends. I'm from Vermont. I drink a lot of beer. (laughs) (laughs) So I got to ask. Yeah. Are you a tent camper or a trailer camper? I'm a tent camper. I can't say that we do like a lot of it, but it is fun to go camping, but I, uh, when we do, it's a tent camping thing. See, I used to, but I just, um, I like having a bed. We made sure we bought a small trailer so mm-hmm. we don't hang out in it, but yeah, I, it's just I'm, like a I'm a princess yeah. now. I have yeah. to have a trailer. <laughs> it's okay. We have a very thick air mattress. So <laughs> the days of sleeping on like the actual ground in a sleeping bag are long gone. <laughs> oh, okay. That makes more yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My big thing is just bears. I've had a bear yeah. outside of my, uh, we had a puppy in with us in a tent and it was Ooh. growling at a bear Uh-oh. and the bear started like nuzzling the tent and I was Mm-mm. Oh, Mm-mm. no that does not sound fun <laughs> yeah no more tents <laughs> yeah so do you have mountains and stuff I would oh, assume yes. if you have um fish we I'm in Idaho and it is gorgeous mm-hmm. I drive an hour and I am in thick forest with you know mile wide rivers yeah and, cool oh yes that's awesome Nice. That's definitely something I like to do. I yeah. haven't done a lot this year, but it's been a weird weather year. Yeah, the weather here has been a little bit odd. This weekend was like super abnormally hot for Vermont. It was like mm-hmm. 90 something and we were all just melting like frosty in the greenhouse. <laughs> yeah. It's also been like the year of weddings for me personally. I think so many people <laughs> put them off during COVID that um, I was at a wedding yesterday. It was the third one of the year. <laughs> like I haven't gone to a wedding in 10 years and now all of a sudden everybody's getting married. So we haven't had as much time to do stuff as normal maybe, but yeah, we're leaving for a wedding on Thursday. So I hear you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I don't have any more questions for you. All right. Um, do you have any questions you have for me? Um, I don't think so. I think this is a great topic for a podcast. So thank, thank you for you. for doing it. It's uh, and the, as we've sort of talked about, it's just having these conversations and and making sure to keep having the conversations and you know women I think more more and more women recognizing that we are not competitors with one another we're gonna you know help lift each other up is hugely important so the more that we can get that message out there I think is great oh for sure and women can talk about money it's yeah okay to uh, go for money <laughs> yeah. yes yeah, that's, you know, and, and that's there again, I think everyone should be talking about money. This is something that like, we're, you know, my, my current company is wrestling with this, this concept that, you know, I think more companies are, are, are considering like being more transparent about what salaries are with different people, you know, and there's mm-hmm. this fear, that sort of old school fear of, 
you can't tell everybody, you know, then there's going to be jealousy. There's going to be this, there's going to be, you know, comparing yourself to others. And it's like, ha, guess what? There already is because we're all right. assuming the worst, you know, like <laughs> just, or something just accidentally there, comes you know? out and you're like, right. I get paid half of what they do. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we'll, we'll get there eventually too, I think, but yeah. yeah One podcast episode at a time. Money. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Maybe that's one more, one more piece of advice I'll throw out there is when, when, and if you do interview, always ask for more money than you want and always ask for more vacation time than they're offering. Yes. (laughs) Because you can often get more money than you thought you could get. And I I've been really successful negotiating more vacation time than they offer too. So, um, those are my, those are my other pieces. Oh, for sure. And they're, they're of usually depending on if you're like government or something they're mandated on what they sure, can do right. but yeah. most smaller or not government companies will give mm-hmm. you 2 weeks of vacation over $5 absolutely hour. yep so yeah ask for that time cuz that for me time freedom is wealth absolutely yes yep. hands down no. i i would yeah I mean, obviously I need to pay my bills, but on, once those are paid, like I want more time off. <laughs> well, that's why you get vacation because you right. get time off right. and pay the bills. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Awesome. I really appreciate you coming on, Jen. This was a great, great discussion. Awesome. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, I will talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. If you liked this, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure that you can more easily find me in the future. To continue this and more conversations, you can always find me at d at fragmentors.com. That's D-E-A at fragmentors.com on Instagram and Facebook at Fragmentors. And I also have a Facebook group uh, called Fragmentors where all the ladies with like-minded business sense hang out and enjoy. Thank you again. Bye. We got the right stuff. We put the hammer right down. Wanna be like?